The Kaplan Community Podcast is a platform for the wider Kaplan community to share ideas and insights that can guide us on our professional and academic development. It's easy to listen to, but tackle some hard-hitting issues. And we think it's a great way to appreciate diverse perspectives on life, learning, and careers. Hi, I'm Alex Ruman-Clark. I'm the General Manager of Student Experience at Kaplan Business School. Alex, thank you for being on the Kaplan Community Podcast. How are you doing today? Thanks for having me, Kieran. Richard? Our goal for these first interviews of season two is to get some perspectives of different sides of Kaplan on mental health and well-being. It's an important issue, and we're discussing organizational well-being with people in culture, the academic perspective with our dean. And just to start off, I'd like to know from you, what is student experience? Student experience in a Kaplan Business School world is every bit of support and guidance outside of the classroom. So from my role, it's all the campus managers, student experience officers, counsellors, administrators, records officers. So every bit of face-to-face interaction outside of a classroom is with one of the student experience team. I think ultimately when a student decides to go to an education provider, of course there is the qualification that they get at the end, and, and that's the primary reason they are there. However, it really is the journey uh, that counts. That is their experience. And there is so many things that they can gain from that, whether that's long-lasting friendships or experience at an employer, their next steps in their career, relationships, you name it. So what we're trying to do is facilitate that as best as possible through a variety of different means. So when they go to graduation, they can look back at their journey and feel a really positive experience. I've been really eager to ask that question. As a member of the student experience team, I was really looking forward to it. It's a hard um, one to answer, that's for sure. <laughs> so many of our students are international and studies show international students are at an increased risk of mental well-being issues for a variety of factors, including isolation from family, cultural differences, language barriers, financial pressures, and academic stress. So there's a lot of risk factors to take into account when we consider the international student experience. I'd like to know, how does this factor into your leadership of student experience at KBS? We're over 97% international students from 80 different nationalities. So there is no cookie cutter approach when talking about international students because they're all different. They've had various different experiences and they're all in different parts of their journey. So I think the best thing you can do or we can do in that scenario is approach them all with a level of empathy and trying to understand the situation that they find themselves in and how they're dealing with the many different challenges that you've just articulated. And I think it's our job as the student experience team at Kaplan Business School is to provide them with the services, the tools, the the resources that they can tap into to make sure that they're facing those challenges in the best way possible. Now, they've got to do it themselves, obviously, but I think it's our responsibility to provide them with a wealth of resources and information and services directly from us that they can really utilize throughout their journey. And I think that goes across everything. So whether it's an actual service that you provide, such as a student counselor, whether it's an event focused on mental health and well-being, 
I think even just the recruitment of the staff and their values and what they embody, really understanding what it is to be a student, a stu- an international student and, and some of the challenges that they go through, I think that is key to making sure that they have a successful journey at KBS. Alex, we know that we win awards and we're, we're well known for our student care and student experience team has a lot to support and help with that student care. In your mind, what is the the service that is most critical to helping students engage and have a good journey through KBS? I think that the one service that we provide in the area of student well-being would be our partnership with a company called Sonder. So for those of you who don't know what Sonder is, it's a 24-7 personal safety and well-being service that's available to our students via phone or via an app. When it comes to safety and well-being, we operate across five campuses in Australia, and we have a a staff group of about 40 to 50 or so in student experience. We can look after them when they're on campus, but outside of that campus, it's a big bad world out there and so many things could happen. So Sonder is a company that provides a service that allows students to tap into safety professionals and health professionals just by a click of a button at their phone at any time of day. Sonda have a 24-7 operations center that students can tap into uh, very quickly through the app or via a phone call, and then they can get help with whatever they need. And they can actually get someone, a liaison officer, who is perhaps a former paramedic or former detective by their side within 20 minutes of engaging the app. And students have used this for a variety of reasons since we started our partnership in February of 2020. And especially in COVID, when people are stuck at home in lockdowns or they want extra supplies if they're in a quarantine hotel, There are so many reasons why students have used this app. And if I had to pinpoint one, that would be the biggest or or the best uh, well-being service that we provide at KBS. You were really a champion of Sonder from the beginning. Can I ask, Alex, what was the main driver behind your interest in that? Or how did you find out about, about Sonder? I think when I heard about what they were offering, I I had first of all, it's a gap in the market. So I don't think there are any other companies or providers that are able to provide such holistic, proactive and reactive help to students. But one thing I initially realized when I started the conversations with Sonder is that they genuinely cared about people. And I think that really came across in all the conversations. They genuinely wanted to help. This wasn't a money-making scheme. So I think when you see the true values of the people behind a company, and what they want to do to help students. That's when I really attached to the service. So coupling that with a real gap in the market for what KBS needed. So as I mentioned before, we were really limited in what we could provide students in terms of health and well-being outside of campus life. So as soon as we got on board with Sonda, I think every single staff member at KBS had a, a big sigh of relief knowing that they could count on this company behind the scenes and outside of hours when we couldn't see our students on campus. So can you describe the kinds of things, the, the services that Sandra would provide in that mental health space as well? 
But Richard, from a mental health perspective, I think you've hit the nail on the head. Mental health is actually the number one use of Sunder for our students. And it can be as simple as getting in touch with someone via the chat on the app and just talking to them about how you're feeling. And they actually have a nurse director there at the operations center 24-7 who helps triage those students into the necessary support service. So often a student would get in touch with Sonder and they'll be triaged to LifeWorks or they'll be triaged to book an appointment with one of our student counselor. Or if it's a bit more serious, they'll actually be triaged to a hospital and see a psychologist or a psychiatrist. So I think knowing that mental health is the number one reason there, we are so lucky to have that service for students to tap into at all hours of the day across any day when we might not be available for those students or they might not feel comfortable coming to us as well. The thing that really heartens me is reading research that tells that the number one stressor for international students here in Australia is loneliness, followed by a fear of being accepted in the community in Australia. And to hear that Sonder offers the support of, you know, what to do in a situation, as you mentioned, even going on a first date is actually really heartening, isn't it? It really helps KBS live up to our promise that we care about our students, both academically and in their experience outside of campus or outside of the classroom. And the question I want to ask is, it is out open to KBS staff as well. Is that correct? Yes, you are right, Richard. So I'll give you a couple of examples of the service because I think people, even me describing what the service is, they go, well, how can I tap into that? How can I actually use that? When would I use that? So let me give you a couple of examples. I'll give you one from a student and one from myself as a staff member who's used this service as well. So my favorite, one of my favorite examples is a student uh, that used this service. So they were in rental accommodation and their wardrobe came off the wall and fell on them. Now that sounds pretty horrible in itself. So it wasn't an emergency situation where they'd broken a bone and would call triple zero for an ambulance, but they were hurt and they didn't know the scale of it and they didn't know what to do. So they called Sonder. Sonder helped them book a GP appointment the next day to be seen and get checked out. Fantastic. Great. However, when they got home, the wardrobe was still falling down. When they got in touch with their real estate agent, the real estate agent wasn't playing ball and wasn't helping reattach the wardrobe to the wall. So again, they called Sonder. And Sonder helped negotiate with the real estate agent to get the wardrobe fixed in their house free of charge as well. So as an international student where you don't know who to call or really what to do in a scenario, they could utilize that service to help them in two very different ways. And I'll use my own example next. So uh, I've just had a child about seven weeks ago and the in-laws were visiting down from Queensland when we weren't in a lockdown and staying in an Airbnb locally. As you do when you have a child, I was up in the middle of the night at 1 a.m. and I saw four missed calls from my sister-in-law. I called her and she said, can you please come and get us? Our house is flooding from the ceiling. There is water everywhere. We've had to pack everything up and we don't know what to do. So there's me. I get in the car with the, the child seat in the back because they've got a nine-month-old as well, racing there and on my way there. I give Sandra a call. Because I'm going, well, what, what am I going to do here? So Sonder, again, incredibly helpful on the phone. I was talking them through. They asked if I wanted someone to come out and, and kind of be with us and help facilitate everything because we couldn't get a hold of the Airbnb host. I said, that's okay for the moment, but can you help get a 24-hour plumber for us? Because 
if we leave the house as it is, it's going to get completely wrecked by the morning. So they sent me through the contact details for a 24-hour plumber. Plumber was there within half an hour, got the pipe fixed, moved the family out. Thank you very much, Sonda. There we go. I'm using it myself all of a sudden. So I thought, again, they're two very unique examples. And I could give, I could talk about it for the whole podcast, but it's a it's a fantastic service. I think that's pretty amazing to know about the breadth of things that you could use the service for. And and obviously you're discovering that as well, the the different types of things that they can help with. One of my favorite things about working at KBS actually is that we alluded to is that diversity that our students come from such a huge number of demographics, especially different nationalities. Uh, Last season on the podcast, we had 12 guests from 10 different countries, and that wasn't searching for multiculturalism. That was just a representation of, of who goes to KBS. Now, my question is, how do we drive student experience well-being initiatives? How can we help students from different backgrounds feel a sense of belonging in our community? Really good question, Kieran. And especially, as I mentioned earlier, we have over 80 different nationalities at KBS. I myself, I'm not an international student, but I'm from overseas and I've lived around the world as well. So I know what it's like settling into a a new country. And I think what we're trying to do at KBS, especially in the student experience team, is make sure that all of our students have access to the resources and information that they need to make sure that their student well-being is top of mind. Now, an example of how we would tailor our services to different nationalities is something called our Nationality Engagement Program. So I mentioned already that our staff members at KBS in the student experience team alone are about 40, 50, probably from over 20 to 25 different nationalities. We actually have probably maybe 15 to 20 staff that are KBS alumni. So they've been students themselves at KBS and, and they know the culture and, and they know the inner workings of the business. But with all those different nationalities, it allows us an opportunity for our student experience officers to engage our students in their own nationality. And what I mean by that is it could be as simple as sending them an email in their language that they use at home or celebrating certain cultural events that are specific to them or engaging them in a different way from a cookie cutter method of just sending out a blanket email that we think is applicable to everyone. And then all of a sudden that kind of transforms itself into a specific event. So we do multicultural events for students where students might bring a different dish from around the world. And then all of a sudden everyone is mixing and mingling and understanding each other's cultures versus perhaps just staying in their own culture as well. So I think we wear it as a badge of honor at KBS, uh, the, the fact that we're all from different countries and cultures, not only our students, but our staff members as well. So if we can try and harness that as much as possible, that's absolutely what we're going to do. I'd like to explore that role of the student experience officer with a bit of a story. As an academic, not a student, I actually really rely on them for the simple reason that sometimes I don't know how to pronounce somebody's name. So I can ask one of them. And that's my way of making sure that I engage with a student and make them feel important, that I've actually pronounced their name correctly, that I understand some of their culture, And some of the events that the student experience team has held, for example, would be making momos. And I never heard of a momo in my life. And now I find I'm making them for my own family at home. We've had Brazilian dancing. We rely so much on the student experience team. 
So could we explore both for students, academics, and general staff, what encompasses all of their responsibilities? Yeah, great question, Richard. And I think they have one of the hardest jobs at Kaplan Business School, but maybe I'm a little bit biased. So we have approximately 30 student experience officers across the five campuses in Australia, looking after almost 3,500 students. So a student experience officer is the first point of contact for a student regarding everything at the school. So if they have an initial academic inquiry, they come to a student experience officer first who might pass it on to someone else. If they have a question about welfare, a process, a policy, their grades, whatever it might be, they are going to come to a student experience officer. And back in the days prior to COVID, when everyone was on campus all the time, if you visit each of our five campuses, we've designed it in such a way that as soon as you walk out the lifts or as soon as you walk into the building, you're going to be greeted by those student experience officers at desks at the front of the campus straight away. So you can't get away with not saying hello to them. But what that does, it it builds relationships and rapport over the trimesters and make sure that when we are talking to students about some of the challenges that they're facing, that Kieran's alluded to earlier, that we actually have that engagement already rather than sitting in a back office behind the scenes. But in a more direct answer to your question, Richard, the the roles and duties of what we call an SEO are really, really varied. And, and I think if you, you're asking for my perspective on it in terms of the GM student experience, you can fit them into two sort of periods within the trimester that are absolutely key. So the first is during the trimester where we focus on proactive engagement of students. Students have a lot going on in their lives, both at the school and otherwise. So we need to provide them with engaging events and workshops and initiatives that are tailored to them. There's no point in me coming up with a harebrained idea in the comfort of my own home and thinking students are going to buy into it. We talk to students. We have student ambassadors that we engage with. They're our ear to the ground. We find out what students want and then we we put on events for them. We, We create initiatives based on what they want. And ultimately... That whole period of time during the trimester is engagement. I want them to look back at every single study trimester and go, wow, that was great. Well, that was fun. And uh, I felt really engaged and part of a community here at KBS beyond what I'm doing in the classroom, which is equally important. We then have what we call is a re-enrollment period where students at KBS have to enroll and pay in their subjects each trimester. So let's say you're an MBA student you have six trimesters while you're at KBS. Now, at first, when I first came to this school, I went, what do you mean they have to sign up six times during their student life cycle and we have to convince them to come back every single time, otherwise they can go somewhere else. And someone's like, yeah, yeah, that's that's right. I'm like, that seems really silly because you're having to engage them six times. So at first I was a bit like, oh, that's that's really hard because essentially you're asking them to opt in six times in their study journey. But then we turned that on its head and we went, no, this is actually a good thing. This never allows us to take them for granted. It never allows us to switch off. And it puts an extra emphasis on that engagement period where we're going, we need to make their most recent experience, their last trimester, the best one they've ever had. So when it comes to re-enrolling and choosing KBS once again, 
they are going straight in and having no hesitations whatsoever. So I think what was initially perceived as a negative in terms of them having to opt in every time is now a complete positive and really puts us in a space where we can be really proactive and positive with our engagement of our students and student experience officers are at the heart of that. The thing, you mentioned student engagement and the role that the SEOs have in that. But I'd also like to make a comment that the SEOs engage academics as well. My opening story when I first started KBS, I knew the subject that I was going to teach and I was prepared academically. But open up the lifts and I walk in and I think, oh my goodness, I'm on a strange campus. I don't know anyone. And what happened? The SEO in front started smiling at me, directed me to my classroom. And I promptly realized that I forgot my password to do the lecture. So they hunted that up for me. Then I realized that I forgot my pens. I forgot everything. And it hadn't been for the SEO, me as a new lecturer, I would have been engaged in the academics, but I would have been completely disheveled, completely um, disorganized. It's down to everyone having an interaction with that student. And lecturers, more so than anyone else, have got them engaged in a class for three hours minimum a week, more time than we'll ever see them for. So it's about actually us providing customer service to the lecturers as well and putting them in the best place possible to deliver an amazing, engaging, interactive class. If you're having to find your pens and you don't know what room you're in and your roles are all over the place, then you're going to be focusing on a whole lot of admin that is going to take your focus away from engaging the students in front of you. So we understand that it's not just us that are in control of the student experience, it's everyone. And you've got to treat your internal stakeholders and your colleagues just like you would a student. I think, Richard, um, that, that's a wonderful example, because when I, I didn't work in education prior to this role, and I've been in this role for five years now, I previously worked in the sporting industry and the medical industry. What fascinated me about education was that we only ever looked at a student as a student, whereas ultimately in my eyes, they are a customer. They are paying for a service. And as a paying customer, you have to give them the best experience possible. So we actually put a lens on this where we're providing them good customer service, not just a student experience. And what was important about that was that's not just to a student. What's wonderful about Captain Business School and many other education institutes, the student experience is not down to the student experience team. As, as we're reflecting on the student experience officers, I've got to say, actually, when I was on the careers team, they were just crucial for me being able to spot and work with different students. You know, they, they often know students very personally and they'd be able to say, oh, well, actually, this student could really use some help on their resume or getting into an internship. And now that I'm in uh, work with alumni, they still can help. You know, the student experience team very much works together. We can help find student ambassadors who will work at alumni events. Yeah, it, it really is great to see the collaboration across the team. Now, as we're recording this, Sydney has just entered into another lockdown, along with several states across Australia are imposing restrictions related to outbreaks of the COVID-19 pandemic. And we didn't want to make this a COVID, COVID show, but I think discussing mental health and well-being it's really important to consider it's had really unique impacts on all our well-being in Australia. That's that's lockdowns, that's studying online. So what do you think? How 
do you think this might have affected students and how can we help? The, the, one of the main things we did in 2020 was a, a financial support package that was over $6 million in the end where we provided temporary tuition relief, hardship funds, there was salary sacrifices. We understood the message from our students that they were under a huge amount of financial strain. We really lean heavily on services like Sonder and, and promoting them to the student bodies that they can reach out to at any time. We have student counselors at each of our campuses as well, where we've increased their hours during COVID and, and students can book an appointment anytime. We've moved every single service online. So anyone can book an appointment with a student experience officer one-on-one -on -one online at any time of day. We set up a Zoom channel in the height of pandemic where we had at least two student experience officers, nine to five, every single day. Students could simply click on a Zoom link and come in and just have a chat with someone. So I think it's an evolving situation. We'll keep our students' mental health and well-being front and center throughout all of this. And just because we've completed a number of initiatives already doesn't mean that we're not going to have to look at this again. And we will we'll make sure we'll look after them no matter what. Alex, do you have any plans for the future? What might student experience look like in the future post-COVID, post-SNAP lockdowns? So with, with reference to student experience, I think we're seeing a number of different changes. The most predominant one, though, is students are no longer on campus and, and they're predominantly online now. And uh, I think now that people understand that online learning can take place effectively, and we've seen it be effective, you know, our net promoter score amongst online students has actually gone up during COVID. We are offering a number of face-to-face -face classes when our campuses are open, and we're still seeing cho uh, students choose online classes. So there has been a marked shift that I don't think will necessarily shift back to what it was before post-COVID. So I think we really need to look at our engagement from an online perspective rather than just a face-to-face -face perspective as we've done previously. So a couple of things. One of our strategic initiatives in the student experience section is to put together an online engagement platform for students. So just like students would have a fantastic on-campus experience, we are gonna make sure there is a value proposition for online students as well. So already we've created a bespoke email address that they can get in touch with at any point in time. As part of our regular feedback week, students studying online have their own forums to provide feedback specific to their online journey versus what a campus journey would be. As I mentioned earlier, we've now permanently shifted all of our services to an online platform that can be accessed via the learning management system. So no longer will it just be a face-to-face -face interaction on campus but those students can interact online. And we're seeing a lot of students start with us or be, continue to be stuck in their home countries as well. So we look at changing our class times. We're now running a, a 10.30 p.m. to 1.30 a.m. class more regularly. So we started off with six instances and we've moved it to over a dozen now. We have orientation sessions for students that start late in the night delivered by our, our Perth team that specifically talk about the challenges of studying offshore in an online environment and how they might overcome that. So I think there's an absolutely a long-term shift with this and, and we need to be very, very cognizant of it. 
And Alex, just before we we finish up, I'd love to know more about your own take on mental health well-being. It could be physical well-being as well. Do you have any tips or what do you do to stay stay well, stay healthy? Yeah, thanks, Kieran. This is, a, I guess, a, a passion. The, the first aspect for me is physical health and well-being. I've always been a, a big advocate of staying fit and healthy, whether that's through sports or regular exercise. I'm a big believer in moving and being outdoors and your physical well-being has a, a direct correlation with your mental well-being. I think that comes down to simple things like nutrition as well. Fundamentally, I think if you look after those things, you're giving yourself the best opportunity to have good mental health and well-being as well. The mental well-being side, I think, is absolutely paramount. And there are so many different directions and avenues you can take here. So I'll give you a few that I hold true to me. The first is surround yourself with people who are a positive influence on your life rather than a negative influence. I think as you get older, you start to get to choose your connections and friendships a little bit more. So pick the ones that are going to build you up and, and challenge you appropriately rather than drag you down. I think it's absolutely crucial that you understand what your values and principles are as a person. So a value for me is something that stays true to you no matter what your circumstances or environment are in life. And once you identify those values, you can align them with whatever you're doing in life. So whether it's your job, so making sure that where you're working aligns with your own values or your friendships or your relationships or whatever that might be. I think it's key to have some sense of direction and purpose in life as well, really understanding that there is a journey to be had and there's wider goals to fulfill. I think that's absolutely key. And then finally, for me, I think being mindful but also proactive is, is crucial to maintain your mental health and well-being. So making sure that you are looking after yourself, that you know you can make choices, you can choose your reaction to other people and not let, letting the environment or other people dictate your emotions and your thoughts and your feelings. And having that concrete sense of self-worth and self-efficacy, I think, is vital to maintaining your mental health and well-being. Thank you so much for being here with us on the Kaplan Community Podcast, sharing some of your insights, what we're doing in the student experience team. And I think that it has been really useful for us to learn more about not just the student experience, but also what we're doing at KBS. Thank you, Alex, for appearing on the show. It's been a pleasure to interview you. My absolute pleasure, Richard and Kieran. Thank you so much for having me on. If you're feeling unwell or in need of help, reach out. Anyone in Australia can get immediate mental health support by calling the National Lifeline on 13 11 14. And Beyond Blue has great 24-7 support staff at 1300 22 46 36. Kaplan employees can contact HR or access free counseling. KBS students have access to free confidential campus counselors, safety and support services such as Sonder. Reach out to your campus student experience team for friendly guidance on accessing these services.